Welcome to Write on Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Welcome back to another episode of Right on Track. I am so excited because today I am joined by my friend and incredible songwriter, Claire Radel. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so happy you're here. So do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got into music? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been writing songs probably since I was like 12, around that age, Um And I got started because my brother got a guitar for Christmas and I really wanted to learn. And ever since, you know, that's what I did. And um, I've been playing for almost seven years and probably writing about the same. And um, I've just been, you know, trying to connect with other people and going to Nashville when I can and playing shows locally. So... That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. So I'm really happy you're on today because we're talking all about melodies. I know we both love melodies. So to kick off this discussion and a little fun thing we have planned, would you like to read a quote by Martin Sutton? I would love to. So the quote is, a great melody brings people into a song and a great lyric keeps them there. I totally relate to this because I don't know about you, but when I listen to a song, the first thing that I focus on is definitely the melody. Yeah, for sure. What do you think it is about melodies that makes you kind of latch onto that at first? Hmm. I would say, I don't know. I'd say like for me, whenever I'm listening, I definitely try to listen to both like the lyrics and the melody because I feel like if there's not a good melody, then what's the point in listening to the song? pretty much um or if you have like a melody that's kind of stagnant and doesn't really go anywhere then it kind of makes you not want to finish listening so I think I think strong like hooks and you know lines that are catchy and memorable are really important for sure They definitely are. And like you said, if a melody doesn't, you know, hold you in the song and if it's not interesting, nobody's going to finish listening. And we definitely don't want people turning off our songs because the melodies aren't good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there are so many tools that songwriters can use to make melodies stand out and strong, and we can talk about this for hours, but for now, we're going to focus on some of the biggest ones. So melodies are primarily made up of two things, pitches and rhythm, and by using those in different ways, we can create contrast between song sessions, which is really important because that's what you were saying, Claire, about it being kind of boring and not really going anywhere, the way to make it go somewhere is to create contrast between sections. So we're going to start off by first talking about some melodic forms that play around with pitches to make that contrast happen. The first one is called static, and this is when a melody kind of stays around the same note and doesn't really go off on many different pitches. So Claire, sing us our first example. All right. So our first example is Delicate by Taylor Swift because she's awesome. Um, And so like for the verse, it's kind of like 
um, sidebar on the east side, where you at? Phone lights up my nightstand in the black. So you kind of got that, like, same note melody going on where it's, like, very, like, kind of syncopated with the beat. Exactly. Yeah, I like how you said that because definitely with kind of static melodies, there's a lot of focus on rhythm because if you're staying on the same note for a long period of time, like how delicate it is, if you don't have an interesting rhythm, it's just going to be boring. Right. Another example of static is The Other Girl by Kelsey Ballerini and Halsey, and this one goes... I bet you're from out west somewhere, hazel eyes and dark brown hair, and everything you wear fits you just right. So similar the same thing, but it has a nice little dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It's like really fun to sing, even though you're not really moving anywhere pitch-wise. Yeah, definitely. So something I've noticed about these kind of melodies is that they're often used in verses, as we just saw with both of these examples. They definitely can be used in other song sessions. The verses are where a lot of the storytelling happens with the lyrics. So if you're telling a story and including a lot of details, it's best to have a melody that is kind of chill because if you have a lot going on with the melody, then that would take away from the lyrics. So this is kind of balance. You know what I mean? Like we need to balance out storytelling with these kind of more relaxed static melodies. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Do you find yourself using these kind of melodic phrases a lot? Um, some songs, I don't know. I guess for my way of songwriting is um, with like verses, I do kind of try to be a little, um, like have variation of the melody for sure. Um, like in the verses and the chorus, just so you can kind of, you know, like you said, like help kind of differentiate from you know, both sections, um, and just add like, you know, maybe like a different rhythmic part in the verse than, you know, what the chorus might have or like, um, different, you know, melodic stuff for the verse or, or chorus, just like having that contrast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I totally agree that the contrast is so important. And so we talked about static melodies and now we're going to talk about conjunct which is basically when notes move pretty much stepwise so it's more going on than static but there's a little bit more motion and Claire is going to sing our first example all right and again we have gorgeous another Taylor Swift song obviously if you can't tell I love Taylor Swift so (laughs) Um, I gotta think of how the pre-chorus goes so I'm gonna pull up the lyrics on my phone really quick Okay. (laughs) I haven't listened to that one in a minute, so I got to step up my game here, I guess. Yeah, so, like, for the pre-chorus on that, it's like, Whiskey on ice, sunset and vine. So it's kind of, like, it's kind of very flowy. Yeah, exactly, and I love how at the beginning it goes down, but then once you get to the end, the it kind of goes up. You ruin my life by not being mine. So the way it goes up is kind of building up to something. And I think that's why conjunct melodies work so well in pre-choruses. Because they take you somewhere and it leads up to the chorus. Definitely. That's a really good point. So another example of this that does the exact same thing is the pre-chorus of I'm Faking by Sabrina Carpenter. Which goes like... 
Cause I wanna bring you to your knees Begging for me now, begging for me Push you to the edge to see How far you're willing to reach I love that, how it climbs up. I think, like, it's so simple. And I think, like, as songwriters, we feel like we need to be complicated all the time. But doing a melody like that, where it just climbs, or, like, Taylor's, where it goes down and then climbs, it's, it's so simple, but it gets the point across, and it takes you somewhere once you get to the chorus. The final melodic form that we're going to talk about is called disjunct, and this is when there's leaps between the notes, and it's kind of spiky. And this brings a lot of interest to the melody because there's a lot going on. So Claire, it's all yours. All right. So our example for this one is I Knew You Were Trouble by Taylor Swift. Actually, like probably my favorite album is Red. That's like the best. Um, so the chorus example is like, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now. And then it's like, it's just like a really good melody because it's catchy. And then it's like, you kind of have the higher part of the chorus and then it's like middle part is kind of in between there, I guess, as far as pitch. Right. And I love how you said the higher part because another point I want to bring up is like in choruses, that's typically where the highest pitch of the song lies. And I think that's really interesting because when we're looking at these disjunct melodies, yes, that choruses can use one of the other two, but I feel like disjunct melodies are so common in choruses because it takes you to that next level and rises and falls and kind of gives that extra layer of energy yeah yeah for sure do you find yourself doing this in your choruses i'd say on some songs yeah i think for me like when i'm writing i really love a chorus that has a really strong melody where from the beginning it just kind of takes off and and you know goes into those higher melodies i think that's a good way of really, you know, engaging the listener and just creating something fun, like being able to sing higher or just, you know, having, you know, a good melody. Exactly. Yeah, I love how these good chorus melodies are the ones that kind of soar and go higher because the choruses are what people remember when they walk away from listening to a song. Oftentimes, that's where the hook is. So it's really, really important, I think, out of all the sections to really focus on a chorus melody for sure and i'm gonna sing one more example of a disjunct melody and this is from the chorus of good choices by asher Des. i really want to make good choices because i keep messing up over and over so that's the same thing it's really leapy and jumps around a lot and it's definitely fun to listen to like i love those kind of melodies that you kind of don't expect it at first because it's so lively compared to the other versions we talked about. And so I think it adds a lot to a song when those are used. All right, so at the beginning, I said that melodies are made up of pitches and rhythm. So we talked about pitches with the different melodic forms. And now let's talk a little bit about rhythm. And a big thing with melodies and rhythm that helps to contrast between sections is the placement of the melody when it's starting the new section. And that can be on the downbeat before or after. So for those of you who don't know what the downbeat is, that's basically beat one. So if I'm clapping, one, two, three, four, one. One is the downbeat. And if you listen to a lot of songs, like honestly, Claire, I don't know about you, but like as soon as I knew this was a thing, 
every time I listen to a song, I'm like, oh, starting on the downbeat, and the chorus <laughs> is starting before. Like, I can't help it. I can't help yeah. it. And I feel like, I feel like we don't really think much about it as songwriters because it comes so naturally. But when you sit back and really pick it apart, it makes total sense. Right, and that's honestly probably like a good thing to kind of do too. If you know, for me, I'm kind of. I'm not as rhythmically inclined as I would like to be. Like, if you ask me to, you know, be like, what time signature is this? And it's like, that's going to take me a minute to figure it out. But like with melody and like, you know, if you like you said, you pick it apart and, you know, kind of break it down. I think that can be really helpful. Yeah, it definitely can be really helpful. And we're going to do that right now with the different placements. So, Claire, do you want to give an example of starting on the downbeat? Sure. All right. So again, we have Long Story Short by Taylor Swift. Okay. So the downbeat would be like, uh, it's like, faithfully, I tried to pick my battles till the battle picked me. Misery. And then you like go into that. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think this is a great one because we talked about making you know, variations throughout. And even though she doesn't start on the downbeat every time, starting that verse on the downbeat definitely distinguishes it from the other song sections that don't start on the downbeat. More Taylor Swift. Here's Willow. Same thing. I'm like the water when a ship rode in that night. Rough on the surface, but you cut through like a knife. So Taylor is all for starting on the downbeats on the verses, which I think is super cool. Yeah, definitely. When I did the Songwriting Academy's bootcamp, one thing that Martin mentioned was that it's really common to start choruses on the downbeat because when you start on beat one, it's like you're saying a very powerful statement and the choruses are where the messages of the song lie. So it makes sense. But I love how we found two examples from Taylor that don't do that because it's always nice to kind of break away from what's common and typical to stand out and Taylor does that a lot yeah that's a really good point and that's like a really good you know thing to mention too because not all songs like use the downbeat right right kind of thing and that's kind of yeah I don't know I don't know what to add to that but that's that's good helpful advice (laughs) (laughs) so yeah awesome So now let's talk about melodies that start after the downbeat, which means they start somewhere in the measure after beat one. So Claire, it's all you. All right. Again, are we surprised? Taylor Swift again. Um, But this one's Cardigan. This is actually one of my favorites. Um, So this one is kind of interesting because it has that piano intro in the beginning. And it is kind of like vintage tea, brand new phone, high heels on cobblestones so it's kind of got like again that flowy melody that I kind of mentioned with the pre-chorus for like gorgeous so it's like you know using a similar tactic there for melody writing exactly yeah and I like how you know you brought up how it's kind of flowy and going hand in hand with the other techniques that we talked about earlier I think not starting on the downbeat kind of gives it that extra layer of syncopation and I think that's super cool so another example of starting after the downbeat is from Guess I'm a Liar by Sophia Carson. I told you I'd never give up. I don't know if I knew what a few words could do. So we still have that. I told you I'd never give up. It starts after and it's, it's kind of fun because like especially in pop music, like you have that 
like kick drum or some kind of instrument like hitting on the downbeat and then you start singing after and I think that especially in pop music that adds a lot to the song right that's a really good example for sure all right so now let's move on to talking about songs that start before the downbeat with the melody and Claire all right so we have daylight by Taylor Swift um this is probably honestly another favorite song literally I'd say 99% of her songs are like (laughs) my favorite (laughs) it's just like that's that small like one percent that's like oh okay cool um, I love daylight. But this one, oh, it's so good. It's so good. So the so for this one, it'd be like, it was as cruel as the cities I lived in. So like a very kind of steady beat, but not quite on the downbeat, kind of like you said. Right. And I love the melodies that have a pickup because it kind of leads you somewhere. My love is as cruel. My lovers, it's cruel. Like you're leading up to that first beat. And I think that's that's one of my favorites. I think out of all the different placements, I love the ones that start before the downbeat. So now another example of this is Homecoming Queen by Kelsey Ballerini. My favorite song by Kelsey. Same thing. Hey, homecoming queen. Why did you lie when somebody's mean? Where do you hide? So it's the same kind of thing. And I think like it's so cool because you said how it's kind of steady tailors. But this one, it's kind of, it kind of has like a sway, like kind of dance to it. And like, it's so cool when you think about like the lyrics of Homecoming Queen, especially where she's talking about like, like and in, in, especially in the pre-chorus, like look damn good in the dress, zipping up the mess, dancing with your best foot forward. It's like kind of like saying it's like a dance kind of. So it's cool how the melody kind of reflects that before those lyrics even come. Do you focus more on the pitches or the rhythms when you're writing melody? I don't know. I feel like it's not really something I kind of focus on, I guess, when I'm writing. It just kind of, I, I guess it kind of flows naturally a little bit for me I would say though like I mentioned before like I really love when I'm writing though I, I love like a really strong chorus melody so I guess I would kind of say I probably focus more on the melody um a little bit more and then the rest of that just kind of falls into place I feel like for me um but yeah I'd, I'd say melody is like number one I really focus on pitches I think because I'm always finding myself changing around the rhythms to make them more interesting. And I think like my ear is so trained to listen for the pitches because that's what pulls me in that I gravitate toward that first and then kind of fix around the rhythms afterward when I'm revising my songs. So now let's talk about repetition. Claire, why do you think repetition is so important? Ooh, that's a good question. Repetition... um is definitely important um (laughs) well because I feel like if you I feel like if you don't have repetition then like you know let's say in one part of the song like on your verse you know you've you've got like a basic verse melody and then you have your chorus and that should be like kind of the high point of the song I feel like um to where you're like really kind of starting to get into the story of the song and like the melody of the song and I feel like if you were to write a song where you literally just had one chorus and then maybe like two other verses and you didn't repeat that chorus melody, 
you know, if it, depending on how good the melody is, I feel like, you know, people are going to forget it. So I think to an extent, it is good to repeat certain melodies and certain lines, um, especially if you're trying to get like a certain point across or like uh, just, you know, have something extra to repeat. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think it's really, really important to have repetition because if there's repetition, then listeners can walk away singing that melody. Like it'll be imprinted on their brains because they heard it and they heard the hook repeated over and over. And also that the melody's singable because when you have motifs and phrases that kind of repeat and mirror each other from verse to verse or chorus to chorus, then it gives the song structure too. Like if we didn't have repetition, the song would have no structure at all. Yeah, that's that's a really good point for sure. So let's talk a little bit about how these repetitive melodic phrases really bring out a song and can really allow a listener to focus on the lyrics because they're not focusing on where the melody's going to go. They have a melody that they know is going to keep repeating and repeating and it's kind of predictable. And so they can focus on what the song is saying and the story. So Claire, delicate. All right, we've got Delicate again as our example by Taylor Swift. Um, so, like, again, the verse is like, Dive far on the east side, where you at? So it's got that, you know, kind of straightforward melody. And the chorus is kind of similar, too, because then the chorus is like, Is it cool that I said all that? So it's, again, like following the beat, kind of like the verses with, you know, the melody and everything. So um, it's definitely a very memorable uh, melody and you know, I just think it has a really good rhythm for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I love the rhythm. And I think Delicate is such a hit song because of that repetition. Like in the chorus, all it is is, it's a cool that I said all that. It's a chill that you're in my head. Because I know that it's delicate. It's the identical thing over and over and over again. And I love Taylor because, like I said before, songwriters feel like they have to make things complicated. But that melody is so simple. And that's literally all the chorus is. And that's a hit song. So I think that songwriters really need to focus on the tools and what makes a hit song. Instead of trying to focus on what they can do different. That isn't necessarily a standard for hit songs. So going off of repetition, I love it when repetition of melody is paired with lyrics. And this is what, Claire, you are talking a little bit before about hooks and how in your choruses you need to have those hooks. And so a way to really bring out a hook in a chorus or a post-chorus is to repeat the title of the song or the hook of the song over and over again with a catchy melody. And I think you have another Taylor example that illustrates this. Yes. So look what you made me do um, has a very, you know, repetitive line for the chorus. And it's like, look what you made me do. Obviously not singing it in the right key, but it's OK. But, you know, it basically repeats that. And honestly, when I first heard the song, I was like, oh, this is like really good. But I'm going to be honest, this is probably one of the songs where I'm just like, it's kind of overplayed. But it's still definitely really good songwriting and a really good example of like, repetition exactly yeah I agree at first time I heard it I wasn't the biggest fan and like I was kind of disappointed because that's when she kind of came back out of the blue and dropped the song and I was like oh the chorus could be better but now if you think about it like 
everybody's singing that and especially on her stadium tour like everybody had that melody because it's very simple and it's repetitious but it's still you know interesting once you get to hear it a couple times so that song definitely grew on me another great example is from my favorite songwriter julia michaels and this is from lie like this and the same kind of thing lie like this lie like lie like this lie like can't resist I love it. It's so good. Julia the genius. And that's the same thing. Like the song's called Lie Like This and the way that she repeats not only the full thing, but the lie like, lie like this, lie like. It's so cool. And it's, it's so simple. There's not much variety with the pitches, but at the same time, the rhythm is so good. And I think like when you're talking about repetition, it's not necessarily the pitches that you have to focus on. It's more the rhythm and really driving home that hook. Do you like to use a lot of repetition in your songs? Um, I think so. I try to at least because I feel like, you know, like we mentioned, you know, it's important to have. Um, there's not really, well, I guess there is one song that I have out, um, that I kind of did a repetition thing for. The hook on that song is like really simple and, um, it just repeats like the same line over and over again. It's just like a really short hook, but I think you know, it kind of has that example of repetition in it. What song's that? Um, it's called Not What I Want. So it's like the chorus is like, not what I want, not what I want. And then it just repeats that again. That's literally perfect. Like another line. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And my single, L.A. Will Wait For Me, has a similar thing. And like the post-chorus is, L.A., L.A., away from me. L.A., L.A., away from me. And like, that's like the part of the song, like whenever somebody listens to it, they're like, I love that part. And it's it's the simplest part of the song. It's literally just repeating that. It's not complicated at all, but I feel like simple is better sometimes. And you don't have to think too much about it. You just have to give the song what it needs, not overdo it. Yeah, that's a really good example and like good point too. just to, you know, simple is better. I also listened to that song um, last week. So congratulations on releasing that. That's that's a good that's a good one. Thank you. You're welcome. So now let's talk about making contrast with the space between notes in the song sections. And also this can be explained as if there is more notes in one section and a lot of moving notes and so much going on, then in the other section, whether that be the verse or chorus, to make it more chill, more held out notes and more space. So a good example of this is I Hope You're Happy Now by Carly Pierce and Lee Bryce. And I'm going to sing the whole thing from the beginning of the first verse through the end of the chorus. And I feel like this song not only illustrates why it's so important to have what we just talked about like we see the static melody in the verse and a more disjunct melody in the chorus and then so we see the contrast in that but also with how there's a lot of moving notes in the verse and then how it notes in a chorus so this is how this goes it's all on me it's my mistake i said i don't love you a little too late but i guess there ain't ever a right time but i don't know why it's always goodbye go run my name into the ground tell everyone you know just how how i slam the door not forever but I promise you it's for the better. 
get moving on I'll figure it out And you don't hate me somehow So I hope you're happy now So could you hear the contrast between the verse and chorus of that song? Yeah, definitely. That's a really good example, too, because it kind of has the, like you said, it has a space between, you know, that those first two parts of the verse and then it goes into the chorus and um, kind of ties in what we mentioned earlier with like having, you know, that really high chorus melody, which I think is really important. It definitely is. And something else with this song I want to point out real quick is that we talked about the placement and with this song both the verse and chorus melodies start before the downbeat and i just want to mention that because when songwriters look at these tools they can think oh my god i have to do everything i have to make the placement different on all of them i have to make the melodic form different on all of them like i need to leave space here and not here like you can get overwhelmed with trying to do everything but I feel like this song is such a great example because it uses some of the techniques, but not all of them. But still, it uses enough that you can definitely still hear contrast between those sections. So again, like keep it simple. Don't overthink. If you hear like variety between the sections, then you're doing what you need to do. You don't need to overdo that. Right. That's a good point. Do you find yourself kind of second guessing your melodies? Honestly? not really I hope that doesn't sound like no like my melodies are perfect because I know they aren't on all of them um but I I haven't really stopped to think about that before um I feel like melody is probably one of my strong suits as far as a songwriter and um I don't know it's it's kind of you know like I mentioned something that comes naturally so I think that you know, they're, they're decent melodies for where I'm at right now, I think. Um, but maybe farther down the road, they'll, you know, they can always be better. Yeah, I love how you said that because, you know, like where we're at now, there's always room to grow. And I think like you and I are both, you know, naturally gifted. So we don't really think a lot about these tools because they come so naturally. But I think like a way to improve is to really focus on these tools and think hey this chorus melody isn't really lifting as it should maybe i'll play around with having to start on a different beat of the measure or a different melodic contour or whatever so we have these tools at our hands if we have to make some kind of revision so our timer went off but we have one more thing to talk about that we're going to cover and this is something that you like claire which is adding variety in the last course and one of the ways of doing this is modulation so why do you like modulation so much um oh, I just really love key changes and just messing around and seeing what you can come up with um there's probably one song of mine I think that I've released that has like a key change um just because I love them and I think they're fun and it really adds something to the song and you know maybe something you weren't expecting because it's then it's like oh you're just you know singing the basic melody and then all of a sudden oh there's a key change and I just think those are really fun um and it's really important because it adds variation to the song so your listener's not getting the 
you know, same melody over and over, and it kind of adds something new to that. Exactly. And going off of that, I love modulations too, because it's not only the melody that changes, but the whole kind of chord structure of the song, because you're changing key. And when you do that, oftentimes, if there's a modulation or not, a lot of artists kind of experiment a little bit on the last chorus and kind of do some freestyling and do intentional variation on the melody. And I love when songs do that because it brings another layer of energy and purpose into it. And if this is the last chorus, you want to leave your listener with something powerful. And a key change is definitely a way to do that. Simply adding melodic variation on the melody you already have is also a really good way to do that. So we talked about so many ways of looking at our melodies and having them have contrast between sections and adding repetition and having space where there should be space and creating that contrast overall. And I think like for us, melodies are so important because going back to what Martin said, the melody is what brings people into a song and the lyric keeps them there. And I think that's so important to kind of wrap this up by restating because if you don't have a strong melody, if there's not contrast, if there's not a hook that's repeated, then listeners are going to get bored. And nobody wants listeners getting bored of our songs. That's not what we want. We want people to remember them and sing them and play them over and over and over again. And so melody is definitely one of my favorite parts of the whole songwriting process. I love crafting melodies. And I know you do too, Claire. So it was awesome having you on. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah, so before we go, what are just some final thoughts you would like to share about melodies? Kind of like what you mentioned um, earlier about, you know, the more simple the melody, you know, that can oftentimes be better. And um, just looking at, again, an example of, you know, Taylor Swift writing um, or even, you know, Casey Musgraves with, you know, her one album, Golden Hour, um, and just like the different melodic, you know, variations from song to song on that. I think, you know, having simple melodies, if you think about it too hard, then I feel like it can be kind of difficult because you're like, oh, this is so simple. I wish I did this. And then you try to do it yourself. And then you just, you know, at least for me, I feel like it's kind of hard to, you know, keep that. Um, I think it is really fun, though, to experiment with melody and, you know, kind of see how out there you can get with certain things, especially with harmonizing. Um, I think that's that can be really fun. So I completely agree about what you said, how you listen to songs and you think, oh, that's so simple. I wish I could do that. Or why can't I do that? Because when I do that, when I write a simple melody, I think it's boring to me. Like, and I'm like, I don't want it to be boring. And then I play it to somebody else and they're like, oh, yeah, that's really catchy. Like, like the post course for L.A. when I wrote that, I was like, this isn't really going anywhere. And that's like everybody's favorite part of the song. And it's because that just came out of me one day and I showed it to my co-writer Madison and she's like yeah let's do it and I'm like really I thought it was boring like what (laughs) um so I think it's just trusting the process and and knowing that when something simple comes out that there can be beauty to that yeah that's that's a really good point all right well thank you so much for being on where can you share with everybody where they can find you on social media and hear your music 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be on here and help you, you know, get started with your podcast. Um, you guys can find my music. Um, it's Claire. It's C-L-A-I-R-E. And then Radel, R-A-D-E-L. So I'm on Instagram. It's Claire Radel Music. Twitter is like C Radel Music. And then Facebook is going to be Claire Radel Music. I also have my website. Um, which is clearradelmusic.com and then all of my music is on like you know all the streaming platforms so spotify and apple music and stuff so go listen to clara's music and by the time this episode is out your new song will be out do you want to share just a little bit about that yes oh my gosh so i'm really excited for my new song um it's called the one and i worked with a producer um in ohio his name is michael eastock he is incredible uh, he actually had an internship with Sony in Nashville uh, when he first started out, which I thought that was, you know, super cool. Um, so we actually met in the studio for like two days and cranked out this song. And one thing I love about this song is, um, you know, kind of like we mentioned, it really does have like that spacing. And I I kind of approached it differently when writing it because the verse is kind of like a double verse. And um there's like spacing between you know those two sections and then the chorus hits and it's like got the high melody um and then kind of like you mentioned too on like the last chorus of like varying the melody and like varying the phrasing like certain words are kind of you know you know sung differently to add like that contrast with the melody and everything so I'm really excited I'm so excited. I mean, by the time this is out, we all would have heard it. But at the time we're recording, I haven't heard it yet. So I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much again for being on. It was super awesome. Guys, go check out Claire on social media and her music. And thank you for listening. And until next time, stay, stay right, right on, on track. track.